I think the primary concern of Jesus was not getting people off of this planet into heaven. The primary concern of Jesus was getting his kingdom into the earth through people's hearts. Hello, friends, and welcome, or welcome back. Last time on the podcast, we talked about what the word church meant to Jesus. What did Jesus mean when he used the word church? And that's connected to what I'd like to talk about in this episode, and that is, what was the gospel according to Jesus? And happily, this is a really easy question to answer because the Bible tells us very straightforwardly. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And there's a little asterisk in the ESV there where it says the kingdom of God is at hand. And it says, or the kingdom of God has come near. Now you may know that the word gospel means good news and it comes from the Greek word euangelion. And it's glad tidings. And we can see that in another uh, Bible verse in Luke chapter 4 verse 43. It says, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And so Jesus is coming with this gospel, with this good news of the nearness, of the closeness of the kingdom of God. Look with me at Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Let's look over at Luke chapter 16, verse 16. That says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. So the gospel that Jesus preached was the glad tidings, the good news that the kingdom of God was at hand, that it was close in time and in space. And it's so important to remember that the kingdom of God is not heaven. So sometimes when we think, oh, the kingdom of God is at hand, we somehow hear that as an apocalyptic message that the end of the world is near. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying the reign of God is close to you and that is is good news. In the Psalms, when it says, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, because when God reigns, the world is as it's supposed to be. Jesus said, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. That when God is reigning, when the kingdom of God is close, demonic oppression ends, sickness ends, the the results and the curse of sin is broken, people are set free from sin. And that is the good news of the gospel, that we can live under the rule of God's Messiah, that Jesus is willing to reign over us. That is the gospel. Let's take a look at the gospel that Jesus' followers preached. Look at Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. 
And let's look in Acts. This is when Philip is preaching the gospel. Uh, Acts 8, verse 12, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. So the good news that Philip was proclaiming was the good news that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He was God's anointed one to be the head in God's kingdom, to be God's forever king. And if you want to understand a little bit more about that, go back to the podcast called uh, Christ, Covenant, and Kingdom and listen to the podcast about Christ and what that meant to the original followers. Sometimes for us today, Christ is just a synonym for Jesus, but for the original followers of Jesus, that Jesus was the Christ was a very earth-shattering statement, that he was the anointed one to lead God's kingdom forever. He was the one they had been waiting for to come and establish the kingdom of God, and that's exactly what he did, but he just did it in a way that they were not expecting. They were expecting the king to come and, and physically reign and to bring an end to Roman oppression, and Jesus came in a way that was uh, completely unexpected, came humbly, came as a servant, came and gave his life for humanity, to set us free from the curse of sin and to establish a kingdom that will endure throughout all eternity. After the kingdoms of this world have passed away, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus is the head of, will continue to reign on the earth forever and ever. Let's look at the gospel that Paul preached. Look with me at Acts chapter 19, verse 8. It says, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Look now with me at Acts chapter 20, verse 25. It says, And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And so Paul is proclaiming the kingdom of God, the reign of Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 28 from verse 30 to 31. The very end of Acts is talking about Paul. It says, He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, why is it that many of us who have grown up in the West, in America, do not recognize the gospel of the kingdom of God? We recognize a gospel of personal salvation. We recognize a gospel that uh, sounds something like this, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Or uh, perhaps a gospel presentation might start like this, if you died tonight, are you sure that you would spend eternity with God? Or perhaps if you were standing at heaven's gate and God said to you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would your answer be? And I believe what has happened is that we in the West have processed the gospel through our filter of rugged individualism, and we have made it a gospel of personal salvation. And the most important thing is for me to know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior so that I can go to heaven when I die. And it's all about my eternal destiny. In fact, the emphasis of the Western church, of the American church on the afterlife, I believe has made us, uh, in many cases, 
irrelevant to people's daily lives right now. Um, High-profile atheists like uh, Sam Harris, I once heard him talking. He's not a believer, of course, but he was talking about how Christianity is is quite benign because the primary preoccupation of Christianity is what happens to you after you die. And I thought, wow, what an analysis from an outsider, from an unbeliever, who's saying, you know what, they're, they're mostly just concerned with the afterlife, with what happens after you die. And yet, if you read the Gospels of Jesus, I really don't think you see that. I, I think the primary concern of Jesus was not getting people off of this planet into heaven. The primary concern of Jesus was getting his kingdom into the earth through people's hearts, that Jesus was interested in his kingdom coming into people's hearts, that people would accept the reign of God and come into relationship with God and become conduits of his eternal life, his everlasting goodness, and that they would begin to fill the earth with his reign, to fill the earth with the goodness and the, the, the kindness and the generosity and the love of God. And to say that, you know what, Christianity is primarily concerned with the afterlife is really, um, that may be true of 21st century American Christianity, but that is not what Jesus was about. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, it says that the eternal purpose of God was to unite everything in heaven with everything on earth through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus taught his disciples to pray. When you pray, pray this way, Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is on heaven. So it's the eternal purpose of God to unite the unseen realm of heaven with the seen realm of the earth and to do it through his son, Jesus Christ. And when we get resurrected bodies, uh, we're not going to spend eternity in heaven. We're going to spend eternity on the earth, reigning with Jesus on the new earth. And it's the reign of Jesus coming to the earth that is the good news. And it's not that personal salvation is wrong. Of course not. We, we, we need to be saved. We need to have Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. But it's that our personal salvation comes as a result of us coming into the reign of Christ, of us repenting of our sins and letting Jesus reign over us. We change the way that we think. That's what repentance is. And we make Jesus our King. And it's in that connection with him that we experience eternal life. Jesus says, this is eternal life that they might know you, God the Father, and the Christ whom you have sent. And so the gospel of personal salvation is, it's not wrong, of course, it's just incomplete. And it's an overemphasis on me, basically, you know, that God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. Well, if the gospel is that God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life, then of course, my next question is going to be, well, what's that plan? And so, you know, you have millions of Christians who become entirely preoccupied with trying to figure out what is the will of God for my life. And rather than saying, you know what, I know it's the will of God for righteousness to fill the whole earth, that God wants to make things right, that he wants things done his way on the earth. And so I can give my life to the purposes of God, to the reign of God, to allowing the the reign of Jesus to fill the earth rather than be completely preoccupied with God's will for my life. And the other thing I think that can happen when we make personal salvation the center of the gospel is that it 
actually makes the Bible more difficult to understand. Because we, for example, we look through the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John looking for the gospel as we understand it, the gospel of going to heaven when you die, and it's pretty hard to find in there. It seems like that's not really the concern of Jesus. Actually, in fact, it seems like Jesus is more concerned with the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes to try and make that that fit into what we understand the gospel to be is then we begin to interpret the kingdom of heaven as heaven as in the afterlife okay the kingdom of god is the afterlife and jesus is talking about what things are going to be like someday when i die no jesus when he talks about the kingdom of god he's talking about his reign that when people allow jesus to be their king and they enter into his dominion and they live under his reign This is what the kingdom of God is like. And of course, there is an eschatological element about the kingdom of God. There is a different end game with the kingdom of God. In the parables of Jesus, we do see him referencing the final judgment. We do see him talking about the end of human history. And so there is that element when we put our hope in Jesus, we are hoping for his return. We are hoping for him to establish his kingdom on the earth forever. But there is also a very present element to our salvation and a very present element to living in the kingdom of God right now and to being under the lordship and the reign of Jesus right now and the joy and the life and the peace that comes with that. One of the things we have to understand is that Coming into the kingdom of God means coming out of the kingdom of darkness. Look with me at Acts chapter 26. This is Paul recounting his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. I'm starting in verse uh, 15, and he's, he's remembering what the Lord said to him. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so when we come to faith in Jesus, we come out of the kingdom of darkness. That's what Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. So we all are under the curse of sin as we're born into Adam, we're descendants of Adam. And Jesus comes to deliver us out of the dominion of darkness, out of um, the power of the devil, and into his wonderful kingdom, into his marvelous light. Listen to how uh, some unbelievers in the book of Acts understood the gospel. Now, they've heard the message of Paul, and it's upset them in Acts chapter 17. And uh, beginning in verse 6, they're upset, and it says, They dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And so these people have understood the gospel properly, perhaps better than uh, many in the 
21st century Western church, they've understood that the gospel is that Jesus is the eternal king in God's kingdom and that his kingdom is going to overtake the whole world. And so Jesus died to forgive our sins so that we could come out of the kingdom of darkness and be part of his wonderful kingdom. And so when we look at, for example, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. So this is a famous passage of scripture that where Paul is describing the gospel. It starts like this in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, As to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, writes Paul. So Paul is saying the gospel is that the Christ, again, remember, this isn't just a synonym for Jesus. He's talking about that the anointed leader of God's kingdom died for our sins. And so, yes, it's true that the the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we could come into the kingdom of his marvelous reign, not just so that we wouldn't have to go to hell when we die. If we make the gospel just about not going to hell when we die, we miss the purpose of Jesus that he desires to make all things new, that he desires to redeem all of the creation where Romans talks about that the creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. Why? Because the revealing of the sons of God will bring the reign of God to set things right on the planet, that even the planet itself groans for the reign of Jesus. And of course, our personal salvation is wrapped up in Jesus's reign, but it doesn't stop with our personal salvation. It doesn't stop with, oh good, now I don't have to go to hell, which of course, you know, nobody wants to go to hell. In fact, it's it's not necessarily hard to make a convert if you just ask someone, hey, do you want to go to hell when you die or do you want to go to heaven? Well, I want to go to heaven. Okay, well then, you know, pray this prayer and when you die, you'll go to heaven. Well, that's pretty easy to get people to uh, to sign up for. But if it's, you know what, this is how you will be saved. The way to be saved is to walk under the reign of Jesus Christ. Do you want to walk under the reign of Jesus Christ? That's a different question, isn't it? Because some people, in their mind, heaven is not about the perfect reign of God. What makes heaven heaven is the perfect reign of God. But for some people, some people think heaven is just where I get to do wherever, whatever I want. And so, that you know, C.S. Lewis wrote that uh, interesting book, The Great Divorce, where people take a bus ride from hell to heaven and they go kind of take a field trip to heaven from hell. And after checking out heaven, the, the people who have come to visit from hell, they don't want to stay there because they still don't want God to reign over them, even after, you know, <laughs> after they've departed from the earth. And so this is a much better understanding of what it means to come into the kingdom 
that it's not just, hey, let me get my, my get out of hell free card so that, um, you know, after I die, I can go fishing all day long because that's what I think heaven should be like. No, it's an understanding that, look, Jesus is so good. And I think that's why Paul started there, you know, to help Gentiles understand who this Christ is, who this King is. Paul's preaching the gospel to Gentiles and he's saying that Christ died for our sins. Like this is how much God loves us, that we were, when we were his enemies, he died for us. We were under the curse of sin. We deserved to be separated from God for all of eternity. And Christ died for us so that we can be joined to him, so that we can enter into his kingdom, into his reign, and we can participate. We can become co-heirs with Jesus. We can inherit what Jesus inherits. And so when Jesus says in Luke 14, 26, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That entering into the kingdom of God is about saying, you know what? I hate my life apart from the reign of Jesus. I hate my old self. I hate my unregenerated self before I met Christ. But when I get born again, I become a new creature. I'm born from above. I'm born of the Spirit, and I become an heir in His kingdom. And I love that life. I love the life that Jesus gives me. I love the eternal life that I get to inherit, both for eternity and right now. And I love that I get to become a vessel to carry this life and this kingdom to other people. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so at the moment, before we get our resurrected, redeemed bodies, we carry the life of God in these uh, jars of clay, in these vessels, these earthen vessels that are our physical bodies while we wait for Jesus Christ to come back. And we have this hope that we will get a resurrected body and will reign with Jesus forever. Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So the gospel of personal salvation sometimes becomes about getting off the earth, getting into heaven. It's it's an escape from this earth. But the gospel of the kingdom is about bringing the kingdom from heaven to earth. The gospel of personal salvation makes it okay to not have power to demonstrate the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom requires demonstration. Look at Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. He says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. When Jesus sent out the 12 apostles in Matthew chapter 10, he says, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And again, there's that asterisk there that says, or the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pain, give without pay. And so the kingdom of God, proclaiming the kingdom of God, makes an immediate demand on our faith. And I understand that this is uncomfortable. And believe me, I am still growing into it. I have not arrived. But it is biblical. And if we want to proclaim the gospel that Jesus preached, we need to proclaim the nearness of the kingdom of God. It's not that the gospel of personal salvation is wrong. It's, it's like I said before, it's just incomplete. And, and for many of us, though, it's, it's still what's most familiar. And the gospel of the kingdom is unfamiliar, so our tendency is to ignore it. But what happens when we do that is we begin to develop traditions and our own customs that Jesus says, because of your traditions, you make the word of God of no effect. And then we end up with a church that has no power, with a church that's just, you know, focused on getting through this life and getting to the afterlife so that we, we become impotent in the eyes of society to bring real solutions to the problems facing people's life today. But that was not what Jesus was demonstrating when he came to earth. He came to earth and he demonstrated the kingdom of God and then he made a new covenant so that anybody, Jew or Gentile, could come into a covenant relationship with God and become an heir of this kingdom. So when we come back to the gospel that Jesus preached, I said before, one of the problems of just focusing or or understanding the gospel solely through the lens of personal salvation is that it makes some of the other teachings of Jesus difficult to understand. But when we make the kingdom of God the center of the gospel, the whole Bible begins to make sense. Covenant makes sense. The words of Jesus make sense. The words of Paul have a bigger context. So what is the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is that God has a government and that Jesus is the king in God's kingdom. And that when we put our faith in Jesus, he will be our king. We can live under his reign. We get the honor of having Jesus rule over us. And his reign is so good. His reign is so wonderful. When we live under his reign, we can supersede the kingdoms of this world, that God's kingdom supersedes the kingdoms of this world. And when we live under the reign of Jesus, we can come out of the systems of this world that are demonic in nature, according to First uh, John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So when we enter into the kingdom of God, we come out of the dominion of the devil. We come above the systems of this world in our relationships with other people, in our marriages, in in our parenting, in the way that we work, in the way that we go through life, in the way that we exist on the planet. We can exist in right relationship with God. And by doing so, by becoming part of his royal family, we can live on the earth as sons of God, and we can live in proper relationship to God, in proper relationship to other people, in proper relationship to the earth itself. This is the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. In John 10, 10, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In uh, Romans chapter 5, Paul describes it like this in verse 17. He says, because of one man's trespass, talking about Adam, death reigned through that one man. 
Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Paul calls it reigning in life when we arrive at our proper station as humankind reconciled to God, living on the earth as sons of God with the devil under our feet, serving other people, serving one another. The government rests on Jesus' shoulders. Remember that verse that we hear every Christmas? And the government shall rest on his shoulders. What are his shoulders? His shoulders are us, the body of Christ. Jesus brought the government of God to us. This is the gospel. It's not, do you know for sure that when you die, you'll spend eternity with God, even though that's important. But that's just the starting point. If we, if we make that the gospel, we're not going to make disciples. But if we make it, do you want to submit your life to God's government? Do you want to reign with Christ? Then we're on our way to making a disciple. So if we want to join God's government, we have to give up our old life and get a new life from God. Remember, Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. If you want to be part of this kingdom, you have to get a new life. Your old life cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50, Paul says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. If you want to enter into this kingdom, you need to receive a new life from Jesus. And Jesus already paid the price because your old life was corrupted by sin. The wages of sin is death. God said that to Adam and Eve, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. So the consequences of rebelling against God, who is the source of life, is death. But Jesus paid that for us so that we could have a new life, so that we could receive eternal life from him and we can move from the camp of the enemy into the house of God. And, and that's why the right of uh, you know Christian entry into the Christian faith, the, the right of entry into the Christian faith is baptism because baptism is a burial and a resurrection. We believe that we're buried with Christ. When we put someone under the water, it's like they're being buried and they're coming out and they're getting a new life. And this happens through faith, by trusting in God's grace, by believing the words that God has spoken. We believe the word of God, that Jesus is God's son, that he paid the price for us on the cross, that he died and that he rose again. And we believe in the word of God and it comes alive on the inside of us. And we are joined with Christ, the Bible says, that he who is united with the Lord is one spirit with him. And our life is now inseparably connected to Jesus. And we live in his kingdom. We live under his reign. We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And Jesus gives us examples of manifesting his kingdom when he heals people, when he casts out demons, when he preaches the nearness of the kingdom, and when he forgives sin. And I believe that Jesus has given us authority to do those very same things to demonstrate his kingdom. And my friends, I believe it is God's will for his kingdom to fill the whole earth, that the knowledge of the goodness and glory of God should cover the earth the way that waters cover the oceans. 
And so I would exhort you to prayerfully consider these things. Search the scriptures for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm sure that I've gotten some things wrong here. I I know that I don't have it all figured out, but I would encourage you to go and search the words of Jesus and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is the gospel and how does that affect how I live on this planet. Thank you so much for listening. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.